Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS. This is episode 886. Oh, my God. I've only, been doing this. I've only been doing this for a while. We got a returning guest. He came on the show six years ago. You pointed that out to me. Um, it's taken him six years to recover from the experience. He's already had the experience this morning. Uh, um, he was the former co-founder of Unbound, and he is also the founder of Outline. We have Ollie Gardner in the office. So, Ollie. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself to listeners and viewers? Sure. Well, yes, um, I am indeed uh, founder of a new SaaS business. Like you say, Unbounce was my life for 12 years, and I spent most of my the, the latter half of that as a public speaker. And that kind of just led me into wanting to create software to actually help people do a better job as speakers, which is why uh, I've launched Outline, which is all about helping people make uh, presentation outlines, specifically better presentation outlines, which then leads to better presentations. You know, anyone who's ever, who's ever had to make a presentation knows that it's hard and it's especially hard trying to figure out how and where to start. You know, most people just jump into a slide deck, an empty slide deck, which is the, the beginning of the trauma. <laughs> No, for you. If you don't know what jewelry is, you would have went to after you um, done with this podcast. And then, you, then you'll be sure about the drama continues for the audience later on. When I've, had, I've had some people email me back and say, never contact me ever again. So uh, um, I've got Kurt, my beloved and patient co-host. Kurt, do you want to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Yeah, yeah. My name's Kurt Van Annen. I have an agency called Manana Nomas and a podcast to go with it. Uh, we focus largely on membership and learning websites. Uh, and I'm actually kind of really intrigued to hear about the speaking stuff with Outline. That's great. So in this great interview, we're going to be talking about the reason for Outline, what Ollie has learned from his years with his other company, I mean, it's just going to be a feast of knowledge from a great marketer and entrepreneur. Before we go into the meat and potatoes of this great show, I've got a couple of messages from our major sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example... Interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. We're coming back, folks. I also wanted to point out that we've got a great couple of special offers from the major sponsors, plus a curated list of the best WordPress plugins and services that will save you a ton of time as a WordPress professional, you can find all these goodies by going over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you'll find all the goodies there. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot, but that's all you're going to get from that bloody page. So there we go. 
Uh, um, on we go on this winding journey with Oli. So, Oli, um, what what does what does outline solve? Why? What problems do you see? You thought we needed a new SaaS product. You know, you had twelve years with the other company, probably pulling the arrows out of your back. And you decided you're going to re-enter the SaaS field. So what does Outline solve? What are some of the key things that it provides to its target audience, Holly? Yeah, it, it helps with things like, um, yeah, I mentioned people tend to jump straight into a slide deck. That creates presenter's block. It's like writer's block. Staring at blank slides doesn't help anyone. Um, and that leads to other problems, like people just use generic templates and then they're painting by numbers, writing by numbers. And that's where you get failed generic presentations and you get meandering storylines because people don't, when you're, when you put yourself in that position, you can't craft a proper story because you're, you're, you're panicking because uh, I got to put something on this blank slide instead of thinking it through. So outline is basically the best way to start any presentation. So you create your story. You, you, it helps you unpack your idea and it's designed specifically for that purpose. I mean, the best outlines people probably made prior to this product are a list of bullet points in a Google Doc. And that's a good start, right? You're at least thinking your story through before you get onto your slides. But that's all it does. It doesn't do anything to help you and it's not semantically related to the topic of speaking. That's just a bullet point list. So outline helps guide you through how to do that before you work on your slides. You know, it has things like... Um, Section goals, where you know a presentation will have sections, and you can define goals. So, what do you want the audience to feel, know, and do in this section? And once you've defined that goal, it's a lot easier than to think, "Oh, well, I need a slide for this, a slide for that, a slide for this." And it helps you craft the story. Uh, you can define what the key takeaways are in the slide, so that when you get to your slide design phase, you know you're focusing on the important point that you need to communicate strongly to the audience. So that just guides your slide design process, it guides your performance, all that kind of stuff. Um, once you're done with Outline, you can export placeholder slides off to your slide platform so that you're starting from a position of, okay, I've got my story ready. It's good. I've done a practice while I was in Outline and it, it feels good. I can communicate it. Awesome. That's the time to move on to working on your slide deck, not at the beginning. So God bless you, Holly. You're doing the great fight. You know, you're trying to destroy boring PowerPoint presentations. If I have to see another PowerPoint boring <laughs> corporate presentation, I'm going to take a knife and cut my throat. So God bless you, Oli. You're doing God's work. You're doing God's work, Oli. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's everybody suffered through it. So yeah, it, something needs to change. It's the change. Uh, yeah. Over to you, Kurt. I feel like I'm going to hijack things right now because I'm so intrigued at some of the stuff Ollie's doing here. So I think about like the book Story Brand and I think about how important story is and relatability is to the audience. And then I see speakers in real life because I too am a speaker. And so I'll, I'll come on before or after a speaker and, I, and I'll watch and I watch everything for mistakes. I record myself so I can learn from my own mistakes. I think we fail forward. But, you know, to your point, having a way to pre-structure or to to understand you need more than bullet points in your PowerPoint. You need some form of relatability. You need some content to surround the learning content 
but at the same time, you can't overpopulate each slide and and kill people with content either, right? So I love the idea that you're you have a you have a tool that seems like it handles a lot of that. Am I am I interpreting too much? Um, it's designed to help you easily go through the process of doing that work. And at, over time, there'll, there'll be things that I release into it that will provide more and more guidance and assistance on how to do things like that. For instance, yeah, because you know, the introduction is the most important part of any presentation. So I'll be, I'll be building features that help you craft a great introduction uh, just because that's the first thing you, you get to. And if you can feel empowered or inspired by a product that's helping you do that first part better, then I think that's where it becomes something really beneficial that people will find a lot of value in. Yeah. People don't really know kind of what they should do. So I, I don't just want to make, um, I want it, it, it will help you make better presentations, but I, it will also help you become a better presenter through the process. So, yeah. Yeah, like jumping up in front of an audience and just leaping into quantum physics, you'll just leave everybody sitting there, right? But but if you start out with a story about throwing newspapers in seventh grade and then how it relates to quantum physics, it's like people have buy-in. They, they follow along, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to pass it back to you because I could just go this way for a long time. I'm sorry. All right, Ed, and he's probably the good question. He's, he's probably into confusion, but there we go. It doesn't take much. <laughs> it doesn't take much, Ollie, but you know that anyway. Um, so what, what do you think are some of the key things you've learned, um, from Unbounce? You know, that you could use, that you've utilized some of the key lessons, those 11, 12 years that you've utilized in the launch of Outline. Well, the first major realization I'm having is that having six co-founders is a lot easier <laughs> than do, building a SaaS company by yourself. Which is incredibly difficult. Um, you know, Unbass was great that way. We started six friends, just jumped into this. It was our first, you know, time thinking about entrepreneurship, really. Well, that's, that's not true, but doing a startup. And yeah, that help, that balance, that communication, friendship, camaraderie was a major support system. And I, I miss it a lot. I got to say, because now, you know, I've always worn a lot of hats. I'm very multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary, and I don't know what I have. You know what I mean? <laughs> but now it's just insane. But now I have to work so hard on trying to prioritize who I'm going to be on a given day because, you know, my major skills are as a marketer. That's what I did at Unbounce and as a speaker and such, but as a writer. So like a creator on that side of things. But I've always been a product guy. And now I'm, I get to do that finally. I mean, I have a background in UX and conversion optimization. So like that all lends itself well to product design. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tricky. But obviously, so where the idea came from was as I was kind of in, in the latter years of Unbounce, I've been speaking for like seven years or something. I was going to launch a company called Be the Keynote, which is about Tra helping train people to become better speakers. But as I was working through the beginnings of that, I was working on the first course and I made a little tool, a little prototype in Google Sheets that would help you create an outline. And I was like, oh, this is really good. 
I should ditch everything <laughs> and, and turn this into a software company because really that's what I want to do anyway. I don't just want to do content because although I enjoy it and I'm good at it, it's exhausting and it's really, really, I don't know. I, unless you're a really strong, organized professional, create a lot of content is very difficult. I'm not good. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why I decided to do outline because the, the tool I, I stumbled into, this, people can definitely benefit from this. Um, and that's kind of, that was the genesis of that. But I think another core thing I learned at Unbounce was the importance of exceptional content and the long game, which also that, again, that pours the stress on because I'm like, I know it's a long-term thing if you want to do it right. But I need customers now. <laughs> I, I've only been a zero-income family for over a year, and it's kind of terrifying. Um, but having done it right before, I at least have that barometer to go like, I know that that's the way I should do it. Like, try not to panic. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 tricky. Definitely by yourself. Well, I think you do. You know, you've got a tremendous amount of experience, but even with that, trying to find true market fit and really resonate, even if you know you you know a lot about your target audience because you've done it, been there, mm. you're seen as an industry expert. But you, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth. I, I, I'm just sensing what you've outlined. That finding market fit, even though you got all these benefits, is still really tricky. Would I be correcting that assumption? It is, and, and actually, this is so. When I first started building the tool, it was called Pressflow. So it's been Pressflow for the last kind of year and a half, and I launched that about six months ago. And I I did it wrong. I did the classic because I'm an introvert, so I I struggle with the outreach portion or, or talking to lots of people about the idea, the classic startup stuff you should do. Um, so I, I was building and building and building and building and built, built quite a large platform, which had amazing features in it. It did amazing things. But the mental leap for how I built it, basically I was reverse engineering my brain and how I make presentations and I made this really complex but cool product. But it was so overwhelming at the kind of entry point of how you would get started in this that people didn't get to the really good stuff. So you had Ollie's bride in front of you. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, so then the then major pivot is that that was a that didn't work, right? People got excited about it when they heard about it, but when they tried to use it, they didn't. So I kind of I stepped back and I thought, okay, press flow, this is too big. And then I decided I'll break it down to smaller things. I'll make little tools. I love building things. I'll just I'll break it apart into little things. So Pressflow was going to become like an umbrella brand and Outline was the first of those tools. So then I struggled for about three months with the branding aspect because having to say Outline by Pressflow instead, you know, like is it this awkward umbrella brand, which is if I had more of the tools under way, the other tools, I had ideas, then it might make sense. But as soon as I released um, Outline, and did it quite early this time, the response was so much better than the first. I People got it. I had people saying, oh, you, you've designed something that is how I feel, how I think. 
And so that was amazing validation early. So then I was like, okay, let's ditch the multi-tool thing, ditch the umbrella brand, let's just make it outline. So, uh, but then it's, it's a very generic term. So I have my mark, my marketing is going to be very difficult to try and be up there in search results for a term related to that is going to be tough. There's a lot of incumbents. The, there, you know, there's nothing, there's no, there's no competition other than for the term. Um, so yeah, that, that'll, that'll be a, a, a unique challenge. Also, we're getting a domain. I have useoutline.com. Um, I, I did the, the kind of like, uh, fill in those forms to get quotes for domain costs and <laughs> outline.com was 150 grand US. Wow. At least I would imagine. Outline.net was 500 grand. <laughs> like, wow. I'm pulling in $126 a month right now. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> so yeah, useoutline.com is what I managed to get. So, I think it reads well. You should use Outline. Back over to you, Kurt. Well, I want to kind of use a keyword from your last answer, and that was panic. Um, you mentioned panic. And our, our next question kind of deals with um, AI and how we've seen a lot of people like in the graphics or in the content areas of, of web development kind of hit that panic mode or starting to think, you know, is AI coming from my job? You know, Um as someone that, you know, works online, what are some tools or, or what is some advice that you can give to some of those, those groups of individuals to kind of, you know, kind of surf this landscape that's coming our way? Yeah, it, mu it, it must be terrifying. Um, but I think some of it's changing from the initial fear to a bit more of the reality. And I think there are two ways you can approach it. You can, uh, you can embrace it or you can take a stance against it. Taking a stance against it is very difficult. You have to be like a real exceptional creator that lives in the storytelling world and wants to stick with the human side of things. And I have friends who do this and they do exceptionally well, but you have to be at that level to be able to say, no, let's, let's, you know, let's defend ourselves against this. Or you can embrace it. And I prefer that. But embracing it doesn't mean giving in. It doesn't become mean becoming generic or any of the negative connotations that people associate with it, this current fear. Yes, there are impacts where people are kind of, you know, jobs are changing because of this. And it's a bit of, become a bit of a cliche now, but I think it's true that the, the people who adapt and learn to use it will have a higher chance of owning those jobs versus someone who doesn't. Um, but I, I don't think that if you approach it the right way, I, it's not going to replace us. It's going to make us better. Like for me, and then use it for the thing you need most, not for, don't think of it as a scary thing that's going to replace you. Use it to your benefit. Like for me, it's a business partner. ChatGBT is my co-founder right now. And it's massively beneficial for me. Uh, when, you know, like, there's, I have a certain bandwidth, right? I'm just one person. And by using tools like this in the right way, I can get things done that I otherwise wouldn't be able to get done. But like, let's think. I mean, so for me, something I've always done in my content and uh, marketing and speaking is to reverse engineer things, whether it's audience experiences for talk or landing page anatomy, conversion equations, whatever it is, 
Um, and it can help with things like that. You know, it, it, it's exceptional helping you quickly gather the base elements of what you're trying to accomplish. And I, I often find that the terminology that I'll get out of a session talking with ChatGPT is hugely helpful in creating like semantic definitions of things I'm working on. I mean, I, I guess I'd have like three main pieces of advice for it. You know, use it to kickstart your work. Ask for 20 things related to what you're working on, then look at the best ones and dig deeper into those. But for me, I use it to create frameworks and things. Um, I'm working on a content series called Introspectives, which is where I take classic story arcs and adapt them for presentation outlines and then do a deep dive on the introduction, the introspective, and how it's structured. So I start by asking, I started asking ChatGPT for, hey, give me a detailed list of story frameworks. 80% of them I'd never heard of. So that was super inspirational for me because like, oh, wow, all these things. Then I can go and research those. I wouldn't have found that otherwise. Uh, choose one, I dig deeper into it. And then, you know, after a while, I've got a very detailed and specific structural framework in a spreadsheet. Um, you know, like, I'm trying to think. So in my content, so I wanted, like in this series, I want to include examples of slides that would go into an outline. But I want the content to apply broadly to many people. So I ask for 10 presentation topics that are broadly applicable to a lot of speakers. Then I'll take a screenshot of my Google Sheet, this complete outline. And then I'll say, hey, because you can do images now, based on the outline in this image and the topic that I just chose, can you create example titles for every slide in the outline? And it comes back with a very well-woven thread of example content to illustrate how the outline works. And this is... I'm not using it to, um, I'm not using the content. I'm not speaking the content. I'm using it to help me structure things and, and gather my, my, how I'm thinking to create something meaningful. You know, it's an accelerant for me versus like, I don't do the part where I'm like, write me this and I'm going to verbatim take that thing. Now I'm, I'm doing complex stuff with it that is hard to think your way through. And it can help you do that really quickly. You know, I, I really like the answer. I like the beginning part of the answer. As soon as you were talking about purists versus people that would use AI, for some reason, I immediately thought vegans versus people that like a steak. You know, it's like, it's like are you disciplined enough to never eat meat again? Well, maybe, maybe vegans for you. Um, so, so there was that. But I also thought about as a writer... I think in the blogging world, I got lazy over time. I started thinking in terms of shorter blog posts, one subject at a time, just bam, bam, bam. Right. And then all of a sudden, I was hit with the challenge of doing longer form blog content, like guest posts for other software companies yes. and stuff. And to your point, I found myself going, okay, well, this is the, how I would write the article. And I make the outline, da, 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 da. But then I realize I'm probably missing the perspective of 30% of the people that might read this. Right. And so I went to AI and I said, you know, what are some other bullet points? You know, use this content and then craft me some other bullet points I may have missed. And AI was like, oh, you missed 50 things. Right. You know, and then, you know, oh, crud. And then I could pick the top 10 things or the top five things, bullet point those out and then expand on them. So to your point, it's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't just give over 
the, the craft of writing. I didn't give over the craft of, of thought. No. I used it as a stepping stone to get in a better direction. Yeah, because you can't always, I mean, maybe if you have the time and you have a good research process, you will come across all these things through your efforts. But a lot of the time you won't and it'll take, it'll take an awful long time. So using these tools to help you become better, to be able to create something that is more meaningful, more structured, more like has more depth to it, it can do that because it'll, it'll, it'll surface things that you wouldn't have considered in the moment. Um, and I think another way, if you, if you want to use AI to help you create content, but you, you really want it to be your voice and you have it interview you. So the mobile app now, ChatGPT, you can have a conversation with it, spoken conversation. So what I like to do with that is tell it your expertise and ask it to interview you on a topic, starting broadly and then diving into specifics based on how I respond, tell it to ask you really deep and challenging questions. So this is a wonderful way to enter into like a pseudo interview state where unexpected questions help bring ideas and memories and perspectives that you may, that may be long forgotten, buried or, or never realized. And after you've done that, that content that you're going to have in that chat, that's you because you're saying it. you're using the AI to help create the environment where this is possible, this creation process. It's not its words, it's your words, guided by an expert interviewer, because that's what you can make it be. So afterwards, you've got this is you content, because you said those things. That's AI stimulated, not AI generated. Perfect. It's a big difference. Thank you for that. Jonathan, over to you. Yeah, my comment about it, I think there's two areas really, Oli. Um, I think You've got some great insights, but I see, you know, I see this technology a bit like, you know, if you were a scribe, you, in the old days, you're scribing, you had a team of scribes writing a book and then you, you had the typewriter come out. Uh, um, you, you know, the idea that you're just going to keep describing the books, um, not using the typewriter or printing press, you're deluding yourself a bit, aren't you? And the other thing, I, I think, I'm no expert in this area, but I have some interest as amateur. I think there's a lot of confusion about a really sophisticated language model and how it mimics the end result to uh, general artificial intelligence. That's a totally different animal in a, a totally different beast that we might have to face in, in the coming years, but who knows? Um, and I think all that's got mixed up, as it does with the internet, doesn't it? Oh, it all gets mixed up, doesn't it? <laughs> and I think really, it's, it's just about playing with it. You know, if you, if you go mm, rail against it, and, it, and it's just going to pass you by, it, you need to get in and have fun with it. One of the things, because especially when it first came out, ChatGPT three and everything. It was so much fun, you know. I this is the, just being playful with it. I'd type in me and my two best friends Liam and Matt. Oh, tell me a story about me and my two best friends Liam and Matt and how we get in trouble and blah blah blah. It's for fun. So we'd write this hilarious story where, strangely, one of us would always get arrested and, <laughs> and one was always the winner. I don't know, but it was just funny and playful. And then at Christmas, I. I created a book for my son Hendrix uh, based on one of his favorite book series. I used 
mid journey for the imagery, and I used me and ChatGPT working on content. And I created this hardback book for him as a gift. And I'd had the idea for a long time, and I could have done it myself, but I wouldn't have because it would have taken me forever. And this still was a lot of work. It was really hard work, and I created something magical, but it facilitated me being able to do that versus not being able to do it. So, it's, you know, there's, there's wonderful things you can do. Just got to embrace it and treat it in the right way. I think that's fantastic advice. We're going to go for our mid-break, folks. We've got more messages from our sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments with this fantastic interview. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS, the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back, folks. Just want to point out we've got a fantastic partner offering for WordPress for professionals. If you're looking to host one of your clients' websites, so you're building a membership learning management system or a buddy boss website, we're the people to partner with. You can find all the information on these great partner offerings by going over to wp-tonic.com slash partners. wp-tonic.com slash partners. And have a look at what we got to offer. You will be taken, your breath will be taken away, I think. Or something like that. Uh, right. So on we go on this journey. Um, so what, you know, you've had this repositioning, you kind of got into the minefield of fe- feature creep. You kind of <laughs> narrowed it back into the core functionality from the feedback you got from your passionate user base. Yep. What, how do you, what's the plan of action in the next 12, 18 months to take, you know, to move outline to where you would like it to be? How you're formulating, how, you know, you've taken this kind of, I would call a micro pivot and you pivoted and refocused on its core yeah. functionality. How do you see your ability? You must be thinking about this quite a lot. And I think the listeners and viewers are going to be interested in this. So how are you going to move things on in the next, let's say, 12 months? Yeah, the, the biggest challenge will be growth. Mainly, obviously, that's everyone's challenge. But when it's just because it's just me, um, trying to, you know, I, I'm a, a believer in product-led growth and using the product to um, inspire people talking about it. And so I need to, I got to split my time between marketing and, and product, but it's, it's very difficult because, you know, the, the marketing side is slow if you don't have a budget for, for ads or something, just doing it organically. And it's easy to be demoralized when you put out some content or do something and then there's no signups. And you're like, uh, 
and you get quick, depressed. Quick eats, quick eats. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, yeah, my biggest challenge is going to be the discipline of splitting my time. But I think I, I'm getting to the point, I, I, I need some co-founders or business partners to help uh, move this forward. So that's going to be kind of one of my main goals over the next while, which is a tricky one for me. Like I said, I'm an introvert. So the idea of going out and finding someone to partner with me on this, that's, that's kind of terrifying. Uh, so, but, it, but it's something I'll need to do. I was waiting because I, after the press flow didn't hit, um, I was like, I need some decent signal before I could even consider bringing someone else into this. But the response for Outlier has been that. So now I have the confidence that I'm like, okay, let's just make this a thing. Um, so that will be what I'm looking for. That again is tricky. Like, what do these co-founders need to do? Exactly. Yeah. Can you give an outline what you're looking for? Or you might not want to do that on a podcast. I, I, I've started that. I've, I've got maybe five different docs starting that. <laughs> um, I've defined it a little bit. I mean, I want someone on the business side with a sales background as well because I don't like sales and I don't want to do the business side of things either, really. To be honest, like that's something I didn't want to know about it at Unbounce at the time. Like I was off as an individual contributor speaking, traveling, that kind of thing. So I missed a lot of the core moments of how the business was functioning. So I, don't, I didn't have that experience built into me because I wasn't there. You know, obviously, I feel I can lean on to get advice about that kind of thing. So that's, I want someone with a bit more of that business intel that I have to work with. And I'll need someone technical too. Um. Yeah, because I, I am technical. I was a developer way in my past, but, you know, like 27 years ago. <laughs> well, you, so, you, you still look your young man compared to me. <laughs> um, so I will need someone technical when shit hits the fan because I can deal with a lot of problems, but there are certain levels of technical stuff that if it goes wrong, that would be really hard for me to, in the moment, to, you know, solve. Potentially, you know. So you you built you built the previous products using um, freelancers outsourced. Getting it built is that correct? Uh, for press for an outline. Yeah. No, hundred percent me. Um, I use Bubble.io, no code platform. Changed my life. Like I was when I was beginning. Press flow. I sat down with two co-founders from Unbounce, Carl and Carter. They're on the more technical side. I said, okay. So I'm going to build this product. Um, I'm going to be using someone to develop on Fiverr. I've got virtually no budget. Uh, I just want to talk about tech stacks because I don't want to go down a path with a developer that is going to be wrong. Even if they're not doing much right now, I want to start in the right direction. So we start talking about it. And then actually Carl said, so yeah, how much is your budget? I'm like, it's virtually nothing. He's like, I don't know how you're going to do that. Have you thought about no code or low code? And I said, I don't know what they are. So I researched it, found Bubble, and literally changed my life. I would not have been able to take this path without it. But with my technical skills and this no code platform, which is epically powerful, there's never been a single thing I've needed to do that I couldn't do. Which is 
which is pretty amazing. It was the most empowering feeling I've ever had from a tool. Hopefully I can create a tool, but hopefully outline makes someone feels like that and they feel like that in the future. But yeah, it's pretty special. Fantastic. Over to you, Kurt. Well, the next question, Ali, uh, is what are some business tools and services uh, to run your, your business daily, right, that, that you would recommend? So obviously, uh, Bubble.io comes to the top of the funnel for you. But um, what are some other tools that you just find, man, I, I need this to stay focused or I need this to be productive? What, what keeps you going that you could recommend to others? Yes, and I jumped the shark there. Bubble definitely is my top recommendation for anyone who wants to be a, a, a creator of something, tools, things like that. It, it really is fantastic. And actually, I had a, I reconnected with an old colleague from like 10 years ago because he was in a similar place with a new startup and been spoken in years. We had a call. I showed him what I was doing in Bubble. We had a call six weeks later. He rebuilt his entire platform by himself because he had to get his old developer wasn't good seed. Um, and he rebuilt the entire platform. So uh, I'm going on this journey with him, which is amazing to see. Uh, so that's definitely my, my, my top thing there. But other than that, <clears throat> I mean, on this same journey, uh, there's a platform I use called Outsetter, which is fantastic. It's basically an all-in-one SaaS platform for creating, you know, we're doing this kind of thing for, you know, there's the billing, email marketing, CRM, help desk. It has the whole thing wrapped up. And from a SaaS perspective, that's its purpose. And a fraction of the cost of the five or 10 other tools that you would typically put together. You know, I was using two email platforms before and this and that and that and that. And I had this very expensive thing bound together. Like, you know, maybe... I'd be spending $500 a month on software, the previous incarnation. I would set I'm paying like 60 bucks a month. This is, this is a conversation, <laughs> this is a conversation uh, I regularly have with those that come back to the light of WordPress because um, um, we offer it in the WordPress area, but they save a ton of money with WP Tonic. So, so right. I regularly have that conversation on it. That's why I'm smiling. <laughs> yeah, so that that again has been empowering for me. Um, you know, they're, they're the two kind of main tools that are helping me achieve something I wouldn't be able to otherwise, including, you know, also ChatGPT, because there are some coding aspects I have to build in the perimeter. And I would, I could spend five hours on Stack Overflow figuring it out because I've got that. I have, I mean, my, my coding skills now are really shabby. Uh, but I could I could muddle my way through. But with ChatGBT, I can get something that's much better code and a lot faster. So again, that's just something I use for that. And that's not replacing a developer. I wouldn't have a developer. I can't afford it. That's just me getting shit done, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm trying what other kind of tools I use. I'm... I'm very much, uh, I'm not very, I'm not a very organized person. Basically, I send myself emails 50 times a day. That's my organizational structure. I just send myself emails with notes. Yeah. Don't but forget them. Just forget that here. <laughs> the edge of a cliff. But oh, that's my morning walk. Um, I, uh, I do a lot of walking, Ollie. Um, 
and um, my morning two and a half mile walk is where I work out my day. Uh, um, so that's my. Um, well, that's fantastic. You've given us some good products there. Thank you so much. Um, it's key. That the, you're, you're dead right. Like when I was first thinking of be the keynote, which had started as an idea of 365speakingtips.com was the, the site I had. What I do, like Hendrix was um, six months old. So I'd take him out in the stroller and I'd walk around the streets. I'm in Victoria now, but I was in Vancouver then. I'd just walk around the streets uh, recording on my phone. So I'd just narrate all of these speaking tips as we went for walks for hours every day. It's a great way to take advantage of the time, but also when you're walking, the thinking is easier. You just, ideas flow better. Yeah, yeah I listen to my podcasts and uh, and uh, do my exercise, walk and think a bit. Um, I can switch off a little bit. Um, I've got, got one thing, because, you know, you, you've said a couple of times that you see yourself as a bit of an introvert, um, which... I don't really see because obviously you're noted for your very quality public speaking. You know, I've watched some of your your um, gigs that you've done recently, and you always put a lot of effort, and you're very entertaining. Um, so I don't see you as a true introvert because I people sometimes are surprised that I I'm a mixture because I've been doing podcasting, but I do. There's also a very introverted part of me as well. But um, and you said you started your career as a, in the development. So how did you kind of morph out of that with the, you know, and become a public speaker in that? How did that happen? Was it a mistake or was it something? That's <laughs> funny. Um, and yes, I am. You could probably say I'm an ambivert, which is kind of that that place in the middle. If I'm on a stage in front of five thousand, six thousand people, absolute best time of my life. Ten people. Absolutely terrifying. So that's that's the kind of difference. If we went in a room giving a talk, scary. Giant stage, easy. Because you've got that distance, that barrier. Everyone's kind of disappears into the the blur. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of accidental stuff, mistakes at the beginning. I wanted to be a sound engineer. So I was end of high school. I wanted to be a sound engineer. I went, I went to the cruise guidance teacher, a uh, counselor. And said, I want to do this. And she said, flat out, you can't. <laughs> well, everybody I ask, I'll give the same story. They always say, you can't do that. <laughs> um, she, yeah, she would, I mean, I was in, in Scotland, living in Scotland. You could do it 30 miles from where I was. You can do it in Nottingham. You could obviously do it in London. Um, so she recommended I go to Napier University in Edinburgh. Um, so I went there to talk with this guy. The, the degree I did was electronic, and communications engineering, like electronics and telecom stuff, like technicals. I had a walk around with the guy there and I said, could I use this to become a sound engineer? And again, I was let down. He went, maybe. <laughs> I was like, all right, sign me up. I was not very good at deciding. But anyway, that took me down a technical path, which I then morphed into near the end of it, into learning how to write, learning how to code which then turned into my first job as a developer. Um, but then I, I quickly trans kind of went from back-end development to front-end as, you know, the internet was happening. Um, so more and more to the creative side. And then I just kind of kept going in that direction through UX, usability, that kind of stuff. 
interaction design and then eventually as a creative director and stuff like that. So I, I transitioned more to where I should have been, but it took quite a while. But I'm glad that I have that technical foundation because it's, it's worked out well for me now. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, it didn't start <laughs> in, the, in the most appropriate direction. Okay, back over to you, Kurt. Oh my goodness, he's going to give me this question again. He must really like me now. Um, so you've been to the UK, right? So, so I'm sure you know who Doctor Who is. Yes. All right, good. So that's one step in the right direction. <laughs> so uh, since you have a tech background and you could probably build your own TARDIS at this point, if you uh, built... If you built a TARDIS and you could go back to the beginning of your career, what's, what's the biggest chunk of advice you would give yourself at the beginning of this journey? Hmm. Um, I'll split into two. If I went back as far as the beginning of the startup career, so 2009, I think what I tell myself is to really cherish the first five years because the concept and utility of content marketing is going to be hit its absolute peak in that period of time. And there will never be another opportunity like that. You know, starting a company and using content marketing to expose yourself to the world, using that for marketing, it was amazing back then. And now it's very different. It's a lot harder because there's a SaaS playbook, right? Everybody does the same thing. A lot of it's garbage, but it's, it's harder than it ever was because back then, if you just if you just incredibly exceptional with your content, you pretty much automatically stood out. Now it's a lot harder. Um, so that's why I'd say I say I just say just cherish that, embrace it, and make the most of it because it's going to change. Uh, but if I went all the way back to the start, I think um, I mean honestly, I'd probably just shut my mouth because the series of events that actually happened, led to me coming from the UK to Canada, which led me to meeting the friends I started Unbounce with, which taught me how to be a marketer and a writer, which led me to become a speaker, which is how I met my wife. So I just probably try not to interfere. <laughs> I'll maybe say this whole being a developer, it's not for you. So play with it for a couple of years and then move on, <laughs> which thankfully is what happened. But uh, otherwise... I would probably try not to interfere too much. Well, that is probably some of the most contented advice I think we've had someone give themselves, right? <laughs> I wouldn't screw with the recipe. I'd just let it keep going. <laughs> I've had a couple of people say that, I've had one, one interviewee say, uh, yeah, not coming on this podcast. I've observed, I, I, I think they've been tempted to say that. Ollie, you have to come back definitely uh, maybe sometime Anytime. next year, definitely not six years. Um, it's, I, I've, I think you've enjoyed it. Um, I think it's been a great discussion, great chat, as I say. I love talking to people like you and um, getting some knowledge from your own journey and sharing it with the audience. What's the best way for people to find out more about you and more about Outline, Ollie? Uh, use outline.com for outline for sure. It's funny that that launches tomorrow in a crazy rebrand, technical overhaul, servers going down, nightmare by myself. When this comes out, that will be a week in the past. TARDIS has moved forward. 
Um, usually, I would say Ollie Gardner on Twitter, now X, but that place has become kind of toxic. <laughs> I, should, I, would, I, I just use it. I just used it for, you know, it's all very bizarre, isn't it? It is. It's still my, I mean, it's hard to let go because I built a decent following over the years. You know, I've jumped on threads and stuff to have a look, but uh, I, I wish Twitter was what it was. But yeah, Ollie Gardner on, on Twitter X, then yeah, that's the best place for instant kind of um, access or on LinkedIn. I'm super active on LinkedIn now, actually. That's become my de facto platform because I used to dislike LinkedIn intensely. But well, it's a, it's a strange piece in its own way, isn't it? It's, it's pretty amazing right now. Yeah. Um, and it works well for talking about something like public speaking because there's so many professionals who want to better themselves on there. So, yeah, Ollie Gardner on there. So, Kurt, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, I'm with Ali. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn almost every day and I'm the only Kurt Von on in there so you won't get me confused with other folks. Uh, you can also find me on Manana Nomas and uh, of course, follow the podcast. That'd be awesome. That's fantastic. And if you really want to support the show, go over to the WP20 YouTube channel and subscribe. That really helps the show. And also join our Facebook group, the WP20, the Membership Machine Show Facebook group. Uh, which is a mixture of WordPress professionals and those building a great business online free membership. We will be back next week with another fabulous guest, another great interview. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.